G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to turn our attention today to a modern and simple way to read and understand the most read book of all time, the Bible. So many of us struggle, though, to read the Bible in its entirety. And for lots of us, it seems long and complicated, hard to read and not organized in chronological order. Well, our special guest today, Dr. Peter Bilsma, has spent years summarizing complex issues and putting them into lay terms. His debut book is called The Short Bible, a chronological summary of the Old and New Testaments. Dr. Peter Bilsma wants to present an innovative and easy-to-understand guide to understanding the Bible. His book is called The Short Bible, and summarizing all the books of the Old and New Testaments in 25 easy-to-read chapters, capturing the epic stories, the characters, and the main ideas. Dr. Peter Bilsma, who's joining us on the line from Puget Sounds in Washington State on the west coast of the United States. Peter Bilsma, welcome along. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be on. Hey, Peter, let's start with uh, where to start, because lots of people, when they either first convert to Christianity or even as, you know, you've been in church for a long time, but you've never really gotten to read the Bible in its entirety, you've, you've often got this sort of confusion as to where to start. Most people don't know where to start reading the Bible, do they? That's right. Most people start at the beginning, and that's not, the, that's not a good place to start, at least in the New Testament. <laughs> so. Well, you know, some people might argue that Genesis is a great place to start, but uh, when we're talking about getting a, a handle on the overall, you're, you'd be saying, what, start in the New Testament? Well, I, I think we all need to start in Genesis at, in the beginning of the Old Testament. But because the Old Testament is so long, um, when Christians... They tend to focus on the New Testament, and if somebody wanted to start reading the New Testament, you start with Matthew 1.1, and it's a long genealogy that really is written for Jewish people. Uh, so what I was trying to do is connect the Old and the, and the New Testament. Um, I've studied the Bible for 50 years, but I would say I've concentrated mostly on the New Testament, uh, and I, I needed to understand how these two books connected so that we could see the big picture. It's kind of like going into a four-hour movie, and if you're a Christian, you tend to just skip the first three hours and just go right to the New Testament, and um, I think we really need to have the background to understand the big picture. Well, it's not to underrate the Old Testament. It's important, too, and uh, so if you're going to start uh, perhaps start with, and I know that oftentimes when someone comes to Christ, uh, make a decision to follow him, they'll be encouraged to read uh, one or two of the gospel accounts first. And so you're actually then focusing on the life of Jesus. And Jesus, you know, the, you know, the uh, perfect 
uh, God-man uh, gives us an, an account of you know what in some sense helps the whole Bible to make sense. So really to start with Jesus is actually a pretty good place to start. And then, then you've got context. Now let me come to your book for a moment here, uh, Peter. It's, it's not a translation, is it? Because some people will That's be right. concerned. It's, uh, oh, you're calling it the short Bible. Is this a new translation of the Bible? It's not a translation. It's a summary. How do you describe things? Um, I'd say it's a summary that's put into chronological order. Uh, the way the Bible is organized now, it's not in chronological order. Um, and you've got all the prophets kind of jammed in at the end of the Old Testament. And they all are speaking to individual societies, groups uh, of the Israelites in a context at a particular time. And so what I did is I, I've summarized it. I've put it into a, chron- a chronological order. Um, I've added some additional information that will help uh, people understand the context. Uh, for instance, how far away these places are. When, when God called Abram from Ur to go to Canaan, everybody at that time when they were reading it, they knew where Ur was and where Canaan was, but we don't really know that it was a thousand mile trip and it took several years. I think that kind of detail provides a little bit more context uh, because Abraham was never going back. I mean, he was leaving for good. So you've got this big picture idea uh, in doing a Bible summary and putting things in chronological order means you can basically sit down with your book uh, called The Short Bible and just like you might read any book over a weekend, you can read your book and uh, it'll put things into order and it gives you some context for when you actually come to perhaps uh, more deeper reading or study of, of, of the, the actual Bible in a different translation. That's right, and that was that was my purpose. When I think about reading books these days, you start at the beginning, and if it was you know a historical novel um, or you know some kind of story, you start at the beginning and you have uh, characters, you have a plot, you have an introduction. Uh, it evolves over time, uh, and you know there's there are crises that happen. Uh, during the book and you know eventually it has an ending and I wanted the book to be able to be read by believers and non-believers uh, and really get the gist of what the bo- the, the whole story is about uh, and I was surprised that nothing like this exists uh, and it takes about through 300 pages or so to go through the entire Old Testament and New Testament and it can be done in a few days just a few days and you'll have a context a big picture look at the Bible so part one you summarize the Old Testament and something like 13 uh, chapters or the 13 and 14 uh, describing those unique books that uh, that don't fit into chronological order. Uh, interestingly here let's let's for listeners let's pick up on on what might be out of order because a lot of people will be surprised that Job is one of the earliest books that were written in the Bible. How That's do you right. fit Job into the overall context in a summary? So uh, there are a number of books that I have at the end of part one. Part one is the Old Testament, and I do it in chronological order. But at the end of that part one, I have one chapter on biblical poetry, which includes 13 complete psalms. Rather than summarize all the psalms, I thought it's best for the reader to understand what these psalms were like. And so I 
I have 13 of them. And then I have another chapter which I call unique books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Jonah, Song of Solomon, and Job. They are not really part of the chronology, and so I give them a separate chapter. And you've even got a section in your book uh, which covers that period of about 400 years that separates the events of the Old Testament and the New Testament. How have you covered that? So when we make the transition from part one to part two from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you know, the Malachi is at about 400 BC, he writes, and then it's quiet. And then when you pick up in the New Testament, it's already, you know, around, you know, 2,000 years ago. Well, there's 400 years of missing history, which are very, very important. So what I do is, as kind of a, an introduction to part two, I give facts about what happened during that time. That was 400 years. And really crucial things happen uh, that we have to know about in order to understand uh, the context of the New Testament. So, for instance, Alexander the Great uh, and the Greeks conquered that entire region. Eventually, they were defeated and the Romans took over. And so there were all kinds of rebellions against the Ro- the, the, Ro- the Romans. Um, and that sets up a lot of the characters and the groups of people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots, they all have to be understood in the context of what had happened during that time. And if you didn't understand that, you would be jumping into a totally different context. Uh, So I introduce over four or five pages some of the background historical information about what happened during that time, and then it makes sense because we know that there's this Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for and waiting for, uh, and all of a sudden you've got the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, And so now we're starting into that New Testament story. So right through from Genesis chapter 1 through until the end of Revelation, you've looked to be able to present a context. So somebody sitting down, with this short Bible, we'll be able to get an overall impression of the uh, the, the way that the action unfolds uh, from beginning to uh, to end. In that sense, so uh, so context is important for you here, and the way you get context is you're focused on overall themes as well, and those themes go through your summary. That's right. Anytime you write a book, you need to understand kind of where are you going, and I needed to think about what are the most important themes in this Bible and then have the narrative flow through and mention and discuss those themes. So I actually uh, do something that normal books do not do and and that is to give kind of the, the big picture at the very beginning. Most books wait Till the very end for you to figure out what, you know who who did it or what happened uh, and you have to wade through hundreds of pages to to get to that final chapter well I do it up front uh, I have some basic information about the Bible and I discuss you know a little bit about how to, the Bible is should be interpreted a little bit about God but then I discuss the uh, these multiple themes that are running through the entire book that kind of tie it all together 
So when you get to your summary of the New Testament, uh, you actually, you call the, those parts in the New Testament, talking themes and things here, uh, not just Testament, but Old Covenant and New Covenant, and a deeper understanding of what we uh, will talk about oftentimes uh, with the way that God looks at that sort of agreement that he calls a covenant. That's right. So covenant, testament, uh, these are agreements that God had initially uh, with Abraham and his followers and eventually with the, the Israelites. And then Jesus comes along and there is a new agreement. And that's what the, the, the next part of the Bible is all about. All right. So I explain that. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. On Vision Christian Radio. And our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Peter Bilsma. He's spent years summarizing complex issues and putting them into lay terms. His debut book is called The Short Bible, a chronological summary of the Old and New Testaments. You might like to join in our conversation. In fact, Peter, before we uh, take things on a little further, why don't we take a call or two? Wendy is on the line from Casino in New South Wales. Hi, Wendy. Welcome. Hello. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Well, as an English history teacher, when I became a Christian at 30, I found the, um, the Bible relatively easy to read and to understand, and I loved learning the history of it. But now, in my later years, I have discovered, as a teaching for many, many years, and a scripture teacher for many years, that so many people cannot read and they do not have the English skills that I have. And in particular, I'm actually tutoring a little girl with dyslexia at the moment, who's 10, and who can't read the Bible at all. And I'm a bit discouraged and wondering, you know, is she going to have to read children's Bibles all her life? Or when the time comes when she can read... Will she be able to read, you know, the full Bible, which is really quite a challenge for many, many people. And and I'm thrilled that Peter has done this now because I can see a lot of people that will get a lot of information out of this, a lot of use out of it. And so thank you so much, Peter, for this. (laughs) Wendy, that's a wonderful compliment to Peter. Uh, Peter, your thoughts for Wendy in the understanding of when you do a summary like yours, you're actually making the Bible so much more accessible to a much, much wider audience. That's true, but I want to say two things about this particular book. Uh, When I wrote it, I wrote it for uh, not for children. In fact, I have a warning at the beginning that says this is not for children because the content is, I would consider to be R-rated. So I have actually gone back once I realized I, I, was, I was at the dentist one day and the dentist was saying how excited she was to, to read the book and read it to her children. And, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to say no, but she had all these wires and things in my mouth. I couldn't say anything. But it made me realize that I need to have a, even a simpler short Bible for children. And so I've actually created something uh, that's, a, that's shorter and it's a little bit more sanitized with some of the, the graphic parts. Uh, it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it a children's Bible, but it's more suitable for children. And then the second thing is, I realize that a lot of people have a hard time reading. 
there are there are adults who can't read at uh, you know a high school level, and so I am making this book into an audio format. Uh, and so it's being translated into other languages as well. So in a few months, the English version will be available, so uh, they can actually just sit back and listen to it. And you know, it'll it'll probably take uh, a couple days uh, to listen to all of it. It's probably going to be less than twenty hours total. So those two, those two things are coming: a simplified version and an audio version. Okay, Wendy, that's uh, some good insight there. And uh, don't buy this one to read to the kids. There'll be an easier to read <laughs> resource. Uh, this one is R-rated. Uh, Wendy from Casino, thank you so much for your call. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take another call. Greg is in Euroa in Victoria. Hi, Greg. Welcome. Thank you so much, and thank you for your show. It does so much good. It's been interesting during COVID how locked down and isolated and lonely people are. So it's just very refreshing. And Peter, well done. My question for you, Peter, is why didn't the fellows meeting who decided what the Bible would be, why didn't they do this in the first place? It would have been a lot easier to follow. And, uh, yeah. Greg, Greg, I I really don't know. Um, You know, it's uh, they had their logic at the time. They had lots of documents to consider. Uh, And then once they picked them, they had to put them in some kind of an order. And so, you know, you've got the major prophets, the minor prophets. It would be difficult to kind of weave them together. So I think they just jammed in the the little ones at the very end, uh, hoping that other people would make sense of it. Greg, what a great contribution. What a good question. And, of course, uh, before we move on, of course, the canon of the Old Testament, that's the number of books that are all put together and those ones that are considered to be inspired literature and then the canon of the New Testament, uh, as you say, Peter, they're grouped. And so where you've got wisdom literature or whether you've got that poetry or whether you've got the uh, the minor prophets and the major prophets, they're, they're grouped in a certain way, but not it's not chronological. So for maybe the Eastern mindset, it might make more sense than our perhaps our Western mindset. Is there something in there, cultural differences, uh, the way you might group things together? Well... I approached it as a Westerner, and I'm thinking uh, about a a linear progression of ideas. Uh, So that's the way I read books these days, rather than jump around. Uh, So I thought, this has never been done. Uh, We already have the existing way it's grouped. Uh, I'd like to have it uh, be flowing like a regular book and have it not be so long. Okay, Uh, let's take another call. Trish is in South Australia. Hello, Trish. Welcome along. Uh, I just want to say uh, I love what Peter's done and I'd love to get a copy of his book. I have a question that I want long to answer for a long time. The word Messiah, how do the Jewish people interpret that? Because uh, do they see it as the Son of Man or the Son of God and why was it blasphemy? Uh, Could you tell me? Uh, Peter, any insight here for Trish? Well, I'm not a biblical scholar. I know that um, the Messiah was viewed at that time as somebody who was going to save the Israelites. Uh, and that ended up uh, making them look for some kind of a political or a military leader, which is why Jesus was so uh, so much of a surprise. Uh, I have some Jewish friends who have talked to me about... Uh, 
the Old Testament, and they seem to be ignoring Isaiah these days. Uh, I had one Jewish Christian tell me Jews do not read Isaiah in their synagogues because it is has a heavy Messiah emphasis, and of course they don't believe the Messiah has come yet. I'm not exactly sure what they believe anymore. But um, uh, Messiah is different than the word God, uh, and for the sake of any Jews that are uh, listening, I'm not going to say the word because you're not allowed to say it. But uh, there are different words for God uh, in, in the original Hebrew. Trish, thank you so much for your call. It is a really good question because uh, that word Messiah, of course, the, Isra- the Israelites had been waiting for a Messiah. And if Jesus, when he appeared, didn't tick some of the boxes as they were talking about, as Peter says, uh, then they were inclined to resist or reject him. And uh, interesting, as Peter draws attention to the fact of Isaiah, and certainly one of those chapters, Isaiah 53, uh, that does get overlooked. And I know that when I've spoken to various ones uh, who are evangelists to the Israel, uh, to the people of Israel, uh, when when Jewish people are exposed to Isaiah 53, they can't believe. Uh, that what they are reading uh, is so aligned uh, with who Jesus is. And so there's one way of moving towards recognizing Jesus as Messiah. Thank you so much for your call, Trish. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Peter, let's come back to some of these overall themes because you wrote your book, your summary, The Short Bible, Uh, Not necessarily for people who were going to be Bible scholars and grew up with this, but for people who had difficulty coming to the Scriptures. And so you've, you've come with a bunch of themes and you've tried to sort things out. You've said there's, through your book, you've got two planes of reality, the physical and the spiritual. Sometimes that's even difficult for people to understand. Yeah, and I would say to the Western mind, uh, things that are invisible or spiritual um, or supernatural, they disregard them. I have some atheist friends who just reject totally the idea of miracles or a god or anything supernatural or anything that you cannot measure. And of course, I say right up front that the world is made up of things that you can see and that it's all there are also things that you cannot see. Um, you can't measure empirically uh, the spirit. Uh, and that's just one of the themes that runs through the entire Bible, that there are, there's an invisible force, that, and, and, and I would say forces, because there are evil forces as well. Uh, and we don't see them, but we can definitely see their effects. And making those sorts of things palatable and understandable to the lay reader who doesn't have a great background of understanding how the Bible knowledge uh, has evolved. Uh, The thought of talking about those invisible forces as having unusual magical powers because sometimes we're influenced by the thoughts of fairy tales and uh, magic. But there's a certain sense in which those invisible forces, they do have those magical powers. Well, that's right. Um, And I would say that there are powers that are good uh, and have loving motives. And then there are others, uh, there are evil, uh, other forces that have evil motives and they are are trying to destroy things that are good. And so you see through the entire Old Testament and New Testament this, this fight between good and evil. I mean, this kind of theme is 
exists in all kinds of literature. And so I'm saying up front, you're going to see this as you read it. You're going to you're going to understand that there are these forces going against each other. And of course, uh, all of this gets resolved at the very end. Um, and that was an interesting chapter to write. Well, the secular mind does not comprehend the thought of those invisible forces and unusual, as you say, magical powers. And so it is confronting. So a lot of people coming from a secular mindset, and they'll read your summary, and these themes will come through. Another one of those, and of course, if you're talking about uh, magical powers, a good force and an evil force, uh, you've got this theme that runs through, uh, the supreme force, and the supreme force is God. That's right. Um, so th- again, there's this force that is good, that has all kinds of good qualities, um, and it's, there's only one God. That's one of the points: is there is one God. There may be people who believe there are multiple gods. People believe uh, there are many ways to get to heaven, uh, but one of the themes is that there is one true and all-powerful force or God. Uh, that happens to have a number of different forms. One is going to be human, and they'll they'll eventually find that out. Uh, there's also a spiritual form too that uh, kind of lives inside us and, and moves in mysterious ways. Peter Bilsma, come back to your short Bible. Uh, while you were working very hard on doing this summary, uh, you came across a few surprises. What were the surprising things you? discovered on your uh, in on your quest to do this uh, this summary well i actually had to read the whole bible again and i had to make decisions about what to include and what to exclude and in doing so i came across some characters who i had never heard of um there's a character in the old testament named jephthah um when i read his story i realized why i had never heard of him because his story is very uh, tragic. Um, It it actually made me cry. Um, But because of the tragedy, what happens at the end of uh, his uh, his story, it's not included in Sunday school classes. Um, And so for those of you who want to check it out, the short story is he was an illegitimate child living in a in an Israelite home, and he was ostracized, and he was sent out to the. He was basically kicked out of home, or he or he ran away because it was so miserable there, and he became kind of a bandit and led a, a gang of uh, of bandits out on the edge of the desert, and became well known for being a fierce warrior. Uh, eventually, he was asked to lead the Israelite army against some enemies. And um, that's as far as I'm going to tell you what happened. But um, his story was very, um, it really hit me because I have helped a lot of people who, in different Christian ministries, who are disadvantaged in some way, whether they were refugees or homeless on the streets. And so identify with the people who are struggling. And here he was, this person who was struggling, and he becomes a major leader, um, one of the kings, uh, and and, um, led the Israelites for a number of years. So there were characters like that. There was a guy named Barak who helped Deborah. I never knew there was a Barak. 
you know, we have a president named Barack Obama. I didn't realize that there was such a person in the Old Testament. Um, uh, so, you know, th there were there were just some really interesting uh, people that I never heard of, and I. You know, I had to make some decisions about which to include and which to exclude. The northern and southern kingdoms, uh, they each had uh, 20 kings, uh, and uh, or was it 40? I forget. But anyway, um, I didn't mention all of them. In fact, I, I only mentioned a, a few of them because most of them were horrible. And all I needed to say was that they fell away from God, they they didn't provide justice to the people, um, and there was just this string of uh, horrible kings. And that eventually leads God to withdraw his blessing on the people uh, of Israel. Amazing when you draw attention to surprises, and uh, all of us, we could read the Bible again and we'd come across names and stories that we perhaps skimmed across the first time didn't stay in our memory, aren't really there because we weren't shaped by them. Because as you say, there are tragic stories, and you even mentioned earlier, there are stories in the Bible we would say are R-rated stories. These are not children's stories. But a lot of the stories that we keep coming back to and that we'll hear from our pulpit are oftentimes those ones that are the nice stories that are acceptable for every ear, no matter what age, to hear. So there are some things that people will discover in the Bible that take them a, a little deeper. And these are adult concepts being dealt with here, Peter. That's right. Uh, the, the, I mean, while it might be easy to read, and I put things in easy to read language, the concepts are very difficult. So, for instance, you know, love your neighbor or love your enemy. That's easy to read, but doing it in real life is a major challenge. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from another listener. Charmaine is on the line from Albany in WA. Hi, Charmaine. Welcome. Hi, Charm you and Hi, Charmaine, what are I'm your thoughts? Um, well, I just wanted to ask Peter about two texts that came to mind when, when I was hearing him talk. One is 2 Timothy 3.15, all scripture is God-breathed, um, and is for the you know benefit and, and, um, of people, um, all scripture. And then in Revelation 22 verses 18 to 19 uh, Jesus says for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book now it's coming at the end of the Bible so it could be the end of the Bible not just the end of Revelation if anyone adds to these things God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book and if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy God shall take away his part from the book of life from the holy city and from things which are written in this book. So, starting here, I'm sure he um, would be aware of this and he would have an answer to this particular question. Charmaine, a good question and perhaps uh, one reason why you might say this is not a translation but a summary. Peter, what are your thoughts for Charmaine and her concerns, her questions? Um, those are really good questions, and I was asked those questions early on. There's actually a verse in uh, Deuteronomy that also talks about not adding anything or subtracting anything from the scriptures. Um, 
Well, if that was true, nothing else would have been written. Uh, so, uh, and then in Revelation, there is the, the admonition to not take away or add anything. Both of those verses have a, have a context, uh, and it has to do with messing with something that has been written at that time. It doesn't mean that we can't go on and explain or shorten things to, to help to have it made uh, easier to understand. Um, I'm not claiming that this is the entire Bible. I'm not taking anything away. I'm just making it uh, a little easier to read. Uh, and I have addressed this issue in uh, in a blog. My I have a website, shortbible.com, and I have a blog. And the very first blog talks about um, why I wrote it and the issue that you're talking about of um, the verses related to adding or subtracting things from Scripture. And so I address it there, um, and I believe that those two verses, one in Revelation and one in Deuteronomy, um, have a particular context and do not apply to everything. If, if it applied to everything, no books would be added, no books would be written, no, no sermon would be given to explain uh, more about what, what the stories mean. Uh, we have the children's Bible, which takes away, uh, it doesn't include the entire Bible. So I'm being very transparent up front, saying this is a summary, and I've reorganized it uh, to have a, a flow like a regular book. Uh, but those are really good questions, and I've had people um, ask me that before. Charmaine, in Albany, does that answer your question, your query there, Charmaine? It, it does, and I, I hope it will answer some of the questions that other people might be having especially as we've mentioned Isaiah being uh, removed from the from the Jewish um, text the Bible um, and also that you know Isaiah 53 and the consequences of that um, to the Jewish people of not having that knowledge of the Messiah um, you know just just that is an example of something that has been removed but I, I, I was sure that Peter would have a good um, explanation for his actual summary, but just so that anyone else who might be slightly wondering, you know, what right do we have to, um, you know, make a summary or, yeah, but Peter. Charmaine, thank you so much for your call. It was a valuable contribution to our conversation today and our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. When you're making any sort of commentary, of course, it's important uh, to have an opportunity for questions and for answers and sometimes responsive opinions. And so uh, when we're talking about the Scriptures, uh, as you say, Peter, any time you're having opinion anytime you're listening to a preacher you run the risk of someone adding to or taking away from the scriptures so certainly commentary has to be a part of that but like the Bereans what we might be able to do is go back to the scriptures and check those things that what we're hearing either from the pulpit or on the radio indeed or any of the Bible teachers and preachers that you might hear on vision to be able to check those things because checks and balances are so so important uh, Peter, yeah, let, can I, yep, yeah, sure. can I m- mention yes. two things? One is um, I have a number of quotes in, uh, in the book, and every single one of the quotes has a reference in an appendix of where that was quoted from, what verses were, were being summarized, or, and I actually did some paraphrasing a bit. So um, you can 
you can find all those uh, quotes and where I took them from by looking at the appendix. There's also a section, uh, another appendix, that shows the correlation between the, the chapter I wrote and where that chapter is summarized, uh, or, or the, the scriptures uh, of the Bible that that I was referring to. So, for instance, chapter 1 deals with Exodus, or uh, Genesis 1 through 30, um, that kind of thing. I find it's always a good way to be able to understand opinion and to balance where opinion has come from if there is a way that you can uh, take that back to where the original thought came from. And that's, of course, a part of what people do when they're writing any academic type of text. And uh, we like to see that when there is uh, writings uh, or even biblical commentary so that there can be tracing back to an original thought. Hey, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Cindy in Benalla in Victoria. Hello, Cindy. Welcome. Hello. Um, See, I see the Bible as if you say one thing, I expect it to happen. But when you... Uh, lean on the Bible like that, it doesn't work because he says uh, ask whatever you want in my name and I'll do it and you'll, And if your urgent need is for healing in, in the family or um, something really important and it doesn't happen and you wait and you pray and you wait and you pray and it doesn't happen uh, I feel like that's a lie and a failure but then other things that you ask for fail too and then it's just one on top of the other it gets to be a real downer and then you don't feel like reading the bible or going to church or being part of the group of people and then you end up on your own (laughs) Cindy it's interesting how we are taught in the various ways that we're raised perhaps in church life as to how we see the Bible and some seeing it as, uh, you know, some sort of magical talisman. Uh, You know, even when we use the words, the sword of the spirit, uh, the way you might feel like you can wield it like a sword. Uh, There's interesting ways of looking at things there. Peter, have you got a thought or two for Cindy? Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, the Apostle Paul. um, And he was really well versed in the scriptures he had an amazing conversion but he had a thorn in the side we don't know what that thorn is he prayed to have it taken away but it was not taken away because uh, God's power was shown more through his weakness than if he had had this this thorn taken away. We don't know if it was a mental uh, condition or a physical condition or you know just or just you know maybe a relationship that was a, a thorn in his side. We don't know, and he asked for it to be taken away, but it was not. And so. Uh, who are we to figure out, you know, what God must do for us? God is not a genie that we rub and we get our way. Um, so we just have to have that trust that God knows what God's doing and we need to be faithful. Um, when I think about the book of Job, uh, if you get this book, read the the little section on Job. It's an amazing thing, amazing story. It actually is not a literal person. It's a story about why bad things happen to good people. And um, as Neil said at the very beginning, it's one of the oldest pieces of work 
probably written around the time that Abraham wrote it. But it's such an interesting story about people's struggles and why people struggle and uh, why things happen. And, you know, it, it doesn't ever answer that question. It never says this is why. But we are to live with those, those painful uh, experiences and we are made better through pain. Well, 1-800-316-316. Cindy, thank you so much for your call. We are taking calls. There's time for another call or two before the end of our conversation. You say, Peter, a lot of things surprised you as you were putting together your summary. And as we're talking about now, there are all sorts of things that might be confusing Uh, things that you've sought to clarify and you've not been backward in saying that some of those are applied opinions based on knowledge that you can uh, trace back to a source. Uh, But you have had to to actually address some things that have been confusing for you and you've you've not been backward in putting some of those into your summary. That's right. Um, First of all, I want to let you know that I did not not put in my opinion about things uh, unless I say that I think this raises a, 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 a question. For instance, in, the, in Job, we don't know who wrote it. And I have a little um, conjecture, you might say, uh, in a footnote that says the circumstances of how this book ends raises some questions. I don't say what my opinion is. Um, so I want you to know that I'm not putting my opinion, I'm just really summarizing things the way they are um, in, in the book. But in terms of some of the um, sections that are unusual or confusing, um, one that really kind of bothered me uh, that, that occurs in both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, was the, they were talking about Helping your neighbor or uh, loving your uh, loving your enemy, and the verse was like something like um, heaping coal, burning coals on somebody's head. It, it almost made me think that you're punishing a person who um, who is your enemy, but in that context, people had uh, charcoal used in their fires Uh, and if all of a sudden the charcoal or the wood that you had was running out you needed to go borrow some and usually people were not really willing to to share their their kindling and, and and their fire material so you would go from one place to another and collect enough wood or charcoal so that you could take it back and rekindle your own fire um and in those days they carried things on their head so when it says to heap burning coals on somebody's head, um, what you're really what is really being said is give them so much uh, material for burning that they won't have to go around to multiple people, um, and then they'll take it back on their head, uh, and they will be so happy with you that you've done such a wonderful thing. So. Uh, they people at those times would understand that, but we don't. We live in a different culture and a different time, uh, a different geography. So I, when I got to these kind of verses, I explained them. 
Well, there's literary and cultural and historical context and sometimes, as you're saying, Peter, there can be confusions and so uh, you've been able to uh, use some of your uh, tremendous research skills to be able to offer some solutions to those. Let's take one more call. Chris is in Ararat in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. Thank you very much for uh, t- taking my call. Good for um, you to call. Just a, just a question about Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. Shouldn't that say, in the beginning of time, God? Uh, it's an interesting one, Chris, uh, getting context there, because uh, some might say uh, God is the creator of time. So uh, the Genesis 1-1 scripture there in the beginning God uh, that might uh, just be the right context but Peter any thoughts here for Chris well my book begins before time began or anything existed a cosmic and multi-dimensional God who had a number of qualities was present so it was before time even began Okay, Chris, thank you so much for your call. It is a good question about context, but yes, uh, before anything was, there was God. Even time emanates from God. We are at the end of our conversation. It's been wonderful getting these great insights from Dr. Peter Bilsma. Peter's book is called The Short Bible, Chronological Summary of the Old and New Testaments. Uh, Let me ask you, Peter, and uh, as we're sort of wrapping things together, what sort of uh, what sort of feedback have you been getting from uh, friends, from people who've uh, got access to your book, who've who've read it and said, uh, you know, what are the sort of things that they are saying to you? Um, they're saying that they have new insights, uh, especially people who maybe were uh, introduced to the Bible as children but never read it again, and then um, they've received a copy or somebody gave them a copy. Um, they are now putting the pieces of the puzzle together, you might say. Um, the Bible is like a 5,000-piece puzzle that doesn't have a box where you can see the picture. Uh, and this book actually makes sense to them. And I wanted to say one more thing, and and that is that I have no intent on getting rich on a book like this. So um, I am going to donate 90% of all the royalties that I make on this to uh, good causes, nonprofit organizations, uh, more translations of the book into other languages, um, providing justice, providing help to the poor, the people who need good news. Um, This is God's book, not my book. And and I really uh, want to spread the news around the world uh, in a simple way, make it into an audiobook so that people can listen to it, people who are maybe illiterate but are adults and are struggling in these very hard times. So to this, if you have the book, you'll get something out of it, but other people will too. Well, Peter, compliments to you, honour to you, because you have summarised Old and New Testaments and the way you've summarised, and I might compliment you on, you've got a, a tremendous turn of phrase as you were even saying how you had started uh, your first uh, you know, springboard on Genesis chapter 1. So it's called The Short Bible. A chronological summary of the Old and New Testaments. It is available at all major online booksellers. So if you can remember how to spell our guest's name, Dr. Peter Bilsma, B-Y-L-S-M-A. That's B-Y-L-S-M-A. You'll be able to get a hold of it. There is a website. It's called theshortbible.com. 
theshortbible.com and no doubt you can get a copy there too. Peter Bilsma, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.